It is only you that can forgive. It is only you that can save. It is only you that can cleanse our hearts and our lives. And it is only you that can transform us. And I pray, Lord, now as Adam comes and brings your message that, that it would be powerful in our hearts and in our lives as we leave here today and that we would truly be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, well, if you're new here, I want to say uh, welcome. Glad you're here. I am not the normal guy. Uh, you could say that I'm B team. But can you guys do me a favor and give a round of, a hand, round of applause for our worship team? I don't normally have the opportunity to say that because it sounds really conceited because I'm usually on the worship team, so it's like not, it'd be really awkward for me to ask everyone to, give me a round of a hand, please. Give me a round of applause. This, this is good. No, don't do it. Um, well, I want to tell you guys that if you're new here, uh, my name is Adam, and I, uh, I, I, David said that I'm like the best person to be talking about physical health, and I promise you that I am not. <laughs> Um, honestly, I am probably pretty average on this topic, maybe on the lower side of average. Uh, for those of you that know me, you know that I am the biggest fan in the world of bacon. Uh, I believe that bacon should be put on everything. Uh, <coughs> everything, so like ice cream, cereal, you name it, let's put some bacon on it, make it better, all right? And we all know that bacon's not good for us. Uh, and I also really, 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 really hate diet things. Like, if it has the word diet or light in the name, then I hate it. So, like, Cool Whip Light, it's like, why don't you just pour some milk on top of your pie? It's not even, it doesn't even matter. Why is it there? Diet Coke, it's like, you just remind me of Coke and how much I miss it. Stop it. <laughs> um, I don't, uh, let's see. By, by show of hands, how many people have ever had the privilege of uh, enjoying something called a rice cake? Okay, so then you know exactly what cardboard tastes like. That's good. <laughs> That's good. You know, the thing about rice cakes actually is that if you close your eyes while you're eating it, it kind of reminds you of popcorn. If popcorn were made out of drywall. So, <laughs> I want to let you know... I honestly feel these things about diet stuff, like um, salads. Let's, let's talk about salads for a second. Uh, basically, I think salads were invented by the worst hunter in the world. Like, the other guys come home, they're like, I got a deer, and I got an elk, and I got a moose, and one guy's like, I got a rabbit, I feel kind of bad about it. And then the last guy's like, I didn't get anything, but I picked this stuff up on the way home, so let's eat this. You just put it in a bowl and put other vegetables in it, and it's just as good. And it's like, no, that's the food that our food eats, right? <laughs> right? Amen. Uh, you know, I mean, and, okay, so just to be completely clear, to be completely honest, I also hate, hate exercise. Talk about something that is so incredibly pointless. Like, what is the best way... <laughs> What is the best, this is a good joke, what is the best way to never use a treadmill? Buy one. <laughs> I love that one. I don't own one, and I don't use one, so it's like, okay, that's good. But I hate exercise because it's like, it is, it is by definition doing something that is not actual in hope that when you do do something that's actual, that you will be more physically able to do that thing. Like, if you were to stop someone running down the street and ask them, what are you running from? They would say, um, my house? 
I don't know. <laughs> Jenny has this app that she uses that's like run zombies, and it's like sometimes she might be running from zombies because it like simulates that you're being chased by those. But you ask them what are they running to, and it's like my house. It's like it's neither chasing you, and it's not really a great destination. So why are you doing it? You know, uh, I've 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 said this many many times. I only run when I'm chased. And so, uh, like, if there's a bear that comes after me, maybe I will run at that point. And maybe then I will wish that I had run before. <laughs> there's this weird relationship between confidence and my ability to defeat a bear and distance run. So, like, the first, like, quarter mile, I think there's no way that I can beat a bear, but I can run this quarter mile. The next quarter mile is like, I might be able to beat this bear. Then by the time I finished my first mile and the bear's still chasing me, I think, you know what? I'm going to turn around and I'm going to beat that bear because I'm not running another step. <laughs> you know, and that's just, guys, that's just kind of who I am. That's, that's honest to goodness uh, from the bottom of my heart. I'm not just trying to say these things to like say, hey, you know, I'm just like one of you guys. Like seriously, I am not the best person to be talking about physical health. Save for the fact that over the last couple months, God has been doing something in my life. And, and, and I have to say it that way, that God has been doing something in my life. It's not by virtue of mine. But, but you know, like maybe for us, physical health is just one of those things that's just so complex. And there are so many things that affect it that honestly, I'm going to talk about some things and I'm not going to talk about everything because it's, there, there's just no time. We don't want to sit here till 2 o'clock, right? I mean, you, somebody better say right, okay? Because <laughs> I got the three-hour version in my back pocket right here. We're going to talk about everything. Exhaustive. But there's a lot of different complexities that go along with physical health, aren't there? Like, uh, maybe for you it's stress. And, and the first impulse when we talk about stress is like, Adam, that is a mental issue. That has nothing to do with physicality. But for those of us that deal with stress, we know exactly what it feels like, don't we? It's usually right here for me. Maybe right here. And there are some days that I would come home from school or from work and Jenny would be there, and I would come home like this. And she'd say, what's wrong? And I'd say, nothing, I'm just so tired. <laughs> like, my body is just so tensed up that, like, my neck and my shoulders just want to be one thing all of a sudden. And it's just like, we know what that feels like, don't we? We know what that heart racing feels like when we're under constant stress, when we're under constant attack. It just feels like we're just going from one thing to the next thing. Our breath maybe gets shorter uh, if you guys deal with anxiety, you know what I'm talking about. When you're constantly under stress, it has effects on you. And it feels very, very physical. Oddly enough, I, I, might, I might be the only person in the room that does this, but I feel stress in my calves. Does anybody else feel that? Like when you, you're super stressed and you... No? Yeah, I'm weird. Okay, well... <laughs> Granny, write that down for me, that I am ac- actually, in fact, weird, and that's been confirmed on, what, April 17th? Is that today? Uh, but we, we all deal with stress, and, and honestly, it has a huge effect on us uh, physically. Uh, the majority or, or a large share of pharmaceutical prescriptions are actually stress-related, stress-management things like Valium and Xanax. Man, I rehearsed that a lot because did you know that Xanax and Zantac sound exactly the same? <laughs> One's for heartburn. 
which I guess stress can give you heartburn, but, but there are so many stress-related uh, injuries, so many stress-related syndromes, conditions that come from living under constant stress. And maybe that's where you came in today. Maybe you walked in this door and you just are a ball of live wire electricity. And you're like, I can't remember the last time I unclenched. I want to tell you that, that Scripture, I think, has some good things for us. And that living God's way, I think, has some good things for us. Okay? So, but maybe it's, maybe it's not stress. Maybe for you, uh, it's your eating habits, like me. Um, I never met a donut I didn't like. You know? If, if, uh, if God didn't want me to eat donuts, he would have never invented Krispy Kreme. Because I'm pretty sure he founded that place. Like, if you looked on their books, you would see at the top, God, comma, the Almighty. Like, God, I think, is the inventor of Krispy Kreme. It's just so delicious. And I would, used to come home and eat them by the dozen. You know, and it was just really delicious, and I have no regrets. No, I have a ton of regrets. Um, but, I mean, you kind of maybe know what I'm talking about. Because sometimes we have, like, really bad eating habits, and it's not because we love the food, like Krispy Kreme donuts and bacon. Maybe we just have really bad eating habits because we don't want to think about food. It is a terribly, terribly scary thing when the folks at McDonald's know you on a first-name basis. <laughs> and Burger King. And Arby's. And Domino's. <laughs> They're like, oh, hey, Adam, wants, you want your usual? And it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I've made mistakes with my life. But we kind of know what that is. Like, okay, let's just do a show of hands. By, by show of hands, how many folks have eaten fast food in the last week? Right. Did you eat it because you were really dying to have that? Or did you eat it because you were like, mm, I really don't want to cook tonight? I really don't want to cook. Yeah, that's usually what it is. And the, the fact is, is that um, a lot of times what we put into our bodies, I, I mean, I'm, all of us have heard this. I'm not even going to ask it as a question. You are what you eat. Yeah, which is weird because I should be like a bacon donut man. But I'm not. Um, but we all struggle with, with, with the way that we eat, our habits in eating. It's, it's, we, we chase things that are bad for us because they are delicious. I mean, let's talk about how the fact that calories are like the tastiest thing in the world. And when I'm wanting to eat calories, it's like I want to eat something that's fried or something that's sweet. Like it's just like, oh, this is really, really good. That's pretty normal. If you guys are humans in this room, then you need to know that you're not alone in this issue, that, that eating is a thing that we all kind of struggle with. And maybe some of us are like, I never thought I struggled with it, but now maybe I do. Hopefully, maybe you are starting to think about that a little bit. But, but maybe it's not stress, and, and, and maybe it's not really food. Maybe for you, it's just other bad habits, bad physical habits that you can have. And these can be very serious. Um, you know, I, I've known folks that will hurt themselves, that will cause bodily harm to themselves because they want to feel just a little bit of control over part of the world. And, and when you hurt yourself, you are saying, I'm in charge of this section right here. The world is unknown, but I'm going to take control of this. And it starts to become a habit. And it becomes something that's hard to break. And it gets to be something that's hard to get away from. I don't know if you guys know any... Uh, a lot of folks that are struggling with this are young people. Self-harm is a real thing. Uh, it's a coping mechanism that kids have started to use. And it's, just, it's, it's really destructive, literally. 
because they, they feel like they have to control something. Or, or and it can also be something as serious as, you know, you've never really been able to find love in the way that you want to find love, and so you try to find it in anyone's bed. You know, that's not really where a lot of us are, but maybe some of us are there, or some of us have been there, where, where we use our bodies to try to find fulfillment, we try to find acceptance, and we try to find someone to love us. That's also really, really bad for our health. But maybe it's not something that's serious. Maybe it's just a little habit like you stay up too late. I'm guilty of that one. I mean, I'll stay up playing video games or stay up watching a movie, and it's just like, where did that time go? So I wake up the next day, and I'm just a zombie. I'm tired. And I think in the morning, morning Adam is always much more reasonable than evening Adam. Evening Adam's like, oh, you could stay up for another hour. And then he says, what's one more hour? How about just one more? Won't hurt a thing. You'll drink some coffee tomorrow. And then morning Adam's like, oh, I hate that evening Adam. <laughs> and maybe you know what this is like. Maybe you have like a bad habit with your sleep schedule. I don't, I don't know what that is. Or maybe this is one that I think is a Wyoming like regional sin that most of us are guilty of. So I want to tell you that I'm not saying you. I'm saying us and maybe me. I'm kind of like learning this as I've become part of Wyoming. Is that we push our bodies beyond physical limits. You know, maybe you have an injury that you've had for a long time and you think, well, I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, maybe you've got a slip disc and you just can't stop carrying things for people. And so you'll grit your teeth and you'll bear it. But in the meantime, you're causing damage to the only body you'll ever have. And I want to tell you, it, it seems kind of silly so far to be talking so much about something that we all kind of take for granted. We're, t- we're talking about a thing that, that, that we oftentimes as Christians, we, we invest this idea that maybe uh, it doesn't really matter. You know, we say, well, I'm going to go to heaven someday. God's going to make me a new one. So why not ride this one into the ground? You know, bodies are kind of like cars like that. You know, I, I, I am a terrible person to my cars. If my cars were people, I should go to jail for the way that I treat them. I use them and I abuse them and I hurt them and sometimes I like run into things with them. Like it's bad. But our bodies are kind of like cars in that way that if we, if we actively harm them, like you know, if we're in an accident, if we headbutt a tree, our car will be just as dead as if we never changed the oil. Or if I were to drive my car on the road and I never changed the brakes... I would either make my car undrivable by tearing up the rotors or unstoppable by tearing up the brakes. And unstoppable usually sounds nice, but you know that it's not in this case, right? That an unstoppable car, that's bad news. And our bodies, if we actively hurt them, we make them less and less useful. And if we passively neglect them, they become less and less useful. And then they start to become a burden to the other people around us. Because honestly, our image of God is not spirits that are just somehow cursed with carrying around a body. Our image is based on that. And so before we launch into Scripture, and we're going to look at a, a lot of different Scriptures, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just take 30 seconds of awkward silence. Don't worry, I said it was awkward, so it can be awkward. And I want us to look at our notes, and I want us to write in, my struggle is... And I want you to think, what is the one thing that I wish I did better with my physical health? What is the one thing that I just know that I'm 
I'm kind of off the rails. Maybe it's something I said. Maybe it's not something I said. But let's just take just a couple seconds, and I won't count out loud. currently using a transformed book that has someone else's handwriting in it that looks a lot like Jenny's. Uh, it's probably her. She said, someone took my book. And I'm like, what, are we going to like go sleuth it out? <laughs> but So everybody just do a quick double check, make sure she didn't misplace it. But that's okay. Um, let's... Uh, Let's take a quick moment of prayer now that we've written that thing down. Lord, uh, I just pray that you would bless our discussion of your word. God, as we, as we look into what you have to say about our bodies, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand how important it is to you. Lord, help us to understand that uh, our physical bodies matter, that it was part of the gift that you gave us when you gave us life. And I pray that you'd help us to discover some tools to to manage it better. God, I pray that you'd be with me as I share your word. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word, that you haven't left us alone and that you've told us how to live. We're grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want to talk about is how our body is important to God. I think that's even a a note, maybe, on your little note page thing there. But um, our body is important to God. Really, the the beginning of this for me is in Genesis chapter 2. I'm not going to read it, and it's not going to be on the screen, but I want to make sure that that we all know where this story is coming from. Because in Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything, doesn't he? And his process of creation is just declaration. He says, trees, boop, trees. He says, light, boop, light. Like, I don't think there's actually the boop sound, but you get what I mean. That he just speaks and things happen. And then in chapter 2, Moses, who I think is the author of Genesis, he narrows it down. And he gets really, really zoomed in. So it's kind of like those movies where it's like there's like a helicopter view, and then it comes down to first-person view, and it becomes very, very physical. Because it says that, that in the midst of this creation that God stooped down and fashioned or formed or sculpted something out of the dirt. Which is a weird thing, honestly. Because up to this point, he's just been talking and things have been happening. But all of a sudden in this story, God reaches down and puts his hands in the soil and he works with it. And he forms this thing, and he sculpts this thing, and that thing is the first man. And then it says, it's a very personal thing, and it says that God breathes his own life into it. He breathes his breath into it and gives it life, and it becomes man. Now, this is interesting to me because I, I don't know how many of you guys have worked with your hands, have created something, have fixed something. Uh, maybe it, it's been on a workbench, or maybe your thing is your house, or maybe your thing is your car. 
But when you're fixing something or you're building something or you're working on something, you become intimately aware of and concerned with the smallest details, don't you? Uh, For proof of this, ask a builder sometime to point out the mistakes in your house. (laughs) It is an unsettling experience. Uh, Maybe you shouldn't ask them to do this because you will never be able to unsee the little intricacies that a builder is able to see because they are intimately aware of the thing that they are building. And that is how God, I think, sees us. And it's important to note that this is a very physical process that God did not think that this was something that he could just say and just would happen and just let it go. But instead, God reaches down, fashions it together, sculpts it, forms it, and breathes into it, and it becomes a man, a person. And then later on, the story gets a little bit more visceral. The story gets a little bit more physical because God looks at Adam and says, it's not right that Adam would be alone which is true of this Adam too. I'm probably better around people. And so he puts that Adam to sleep and he he takes a rib from his side and he forms a woman from it. Which, you know, I I don't really know exactly how the intricacies of that go. I mean, you have to be like supernaturally powerful like God because a rib is small and and people are big. But God does it. And he, he works with his hands on us. There is no way, I think, that our substance, our physicality, would be unimportant to God at this point. We were one of his first projects in creation. Um, There's a a psalm, Psalm 139, uh, verses 14 and 15. Actually, those are going to be on the screen. Is that right? Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Who knows? It's okay, I have a Bible here, and it has all these psalms written in it, so it's cool. (laughs) Oh, there we go. This is a a psalm of David, and it says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Now, we've heard this, and honestly, I've preached this to talk about value and worth, and, and it's a great passage for that because it talks about the totality of us. But as I was looking at Scripture this week and, and, and trying to think of the, the, the few verses that make the most sense to me, this one pops out because it says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a physicality to that. Wonderful are your works. That's a, tang- a tangible thing. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. It doesn't say my spirit, my thoughts, my emotion, my mind, my feelings. It says my frame, who I am, this body that I'm walking around in, was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Now this word intricately, when I I think of the word intricately and I I looked at the original language and I I found out that actually in the original language, intricately means intricately. So there you go. That's the value of seven years of education. (laughs) I'm going to tell you with a lot of authority that's true. But when I look at the word intricately and I think about it, I think about a time when I was about nine years old. And, and I had uh, my dresser, which was like a waist-high dresser, and it was my workbench. And I got my very first Batmobile model car. 
And it was based on the 1989 Batmobile, which is by far still the coolest Batmobile. And I, I don't know, I, when, any, any guys in here do model cars or model planes when you were younger? Maybe kids? Any gals? Did you ever put together model planes, model cars? No? It's kind of a gender thing, but whatever. I don't want to be sexist, so... Um, so we're, I, I, I was stooped over this thing, and I would snap these little pieces out of this, this plastic mold that they injected. And I'd snap these pieces out, and I'd use a little piece of sandpaper to file away the sides. And by this time, I'm actually reading the instructions, which is good to do when you're putting together a model car. And so I, I look at the corresponding pieces, and I say, okay, this goes here. And so I take a little bit of glue and I put it on there and I snap it to another piece. I leave it set. And then I go to the next piece and I pull it out and I I sand off the edges and I sand off this edge and then I I make sure to snap it into piece. And sometimes I would worry and I would think, hmm, if I put this together too quickly, then maybe I'll miss another piece. So I I need to think about this. So I stopped and I would look at it. Like, this is the definition of (laughs) over-obsession. But this is also, I think, the definition of intricately. And it says that this is how God fashions our bodies. Intricately. They were woven together. Uh, I don't don't know if any folks have ever done any study in biology or human anatomy. But the ideal human form is a marvel. The ideal human body is a marvel in creation. There is not anything that man has created that has come close to the complexity. Like... uh, it's telling to me that experts, people that that are well-educated and trained and research body things, have sometimes said in doctor's offices, I don't know. That, I think, betrays the, the, the scary amount of complexity that's within us, and that's how God fashions us. And so tell me, is there any way that God would spend this much time putting something together and say it's not important? I don't think so. So I, I, I would submit to you that I think that our bodies are, in fact, actually very, very important to God. And that's part of our being made in his image and in his likeness. We resemble him in some ways. Some of us maybe resemble him more than others, but we resemble him, right? The next thing I want to talk about is um, in Romans. Because I think this is where the, the heart of the thing is for me. This is like, if up to this point you've been thinking, Adam, this is all great, but why? Why does it matter? It doesn't matter. Stop talking. Um, I want to say, sorry, I'll be done soon. And also that I think that this is important because of what Paul says in Romans. Now, Romans is one of these books that is so well taught in church that we have so many verses out of this by memory, right? We talk about how the wages of sin is death, We talk about how the free gift of God is eternal life. We talk about how there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And these are all incredibly good and true things. But they're really abstract. They're really out there. And so what Paul does is he writes this book and he says all these very spiritual things. And then he gets to a point. I think in Romans chapter 12. So let's all open our books, our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. This is also going to be on the screen. If you're using the Bibles under your chairs, this is page 1123. See, Paul does this thing where he has been talking ad nauseum about spiritual things, about things that are outside of our body 
about things that are, are really good and really important and things that we would value. And in fact, I, would, I do want to just take a second and tell you that if this morning, if you don't know Jesus, there is no point in listening to the rest of this. If you don't know Jesus, the best thing you can do for your health, if you're far from God, the best thing you can do for your health is to understand that God loves you and that God wants to have a relationship with you today through his son, Jesus Christ. And so if you've never thought about that concept, I want to tell you, please have a conversation with me or Pastor Dave or basically anyone uh, that looks pretty reasonable. Like Don, he looks pretty reasonable. He's been here a lot. He would be able to tell you about Jesus and Rachel would be able to also. There are people around us that know Jesus. And I want to encourage you, that's the best thing you can do for your physical health. So just that little pause there, but we're going to keep going. Because he says all these things and he says, since the wages of sin is death, And since the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, and since nothing can separate us from the love of God, and since God has a plan for the entire world, including things that we don't understand, since all that is true, he says, I urge you, therefore, brothers. See, the the important thing is that when when we talk about the word therefore, is that it exists for a purpose. It's coming to a point. And here we are in Romans chapter 12 where he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, with all this in mind, with the way that he's dealing with all of us, I think that he's just kind of encapsulating everything that he's talked about up to this point, saying, this is all God's mercy. The wages of sin being death and the free gift of God is Jesus Christ, you know, that's mercy. The fact that that we cannot be separated from the love of God, that's mercy. We deserve so much more than that. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And I know that this is a memory verse for a lot of us. I know that a lot of us could probably rattle this off by heart. And so I want you to, if, if that's you, I want you to re-engage for a second because I, I want you to consider some things that maybe you hadn't considered before. So he says that because all these things are true, because all these spiritual things are true, you must now do something with your body. There is now action to be taken. If this is true, we're going to follow up on this. And he says that the thing that we should do is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Now, before you think that I'm getting too spooky and cultic and that we're all going to, like, go get some chickens and some... What are those things called where you put your arms through and they're like blankets? Snuggies? Is that what those are called? I don't remember. But robes, like, we're not... This is not a cult, okay? We're not presenting our bodies as living sacrifices like we're going to just start chanting something. There's going to be an altar here and somebody's going to die on it. That's not what's happening. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And he hearkens back to this idea that for the people hearing this letter are just like, oh, sacrifices. Because see, they had this whole concept built around sacrifices and we've kind of lost it because we've never seen it and we've never felt it and we've never paid that price. But summing it up, summing up a really big concept in a couple seconds The Old Testament sacrificial system was the process of God's people taking the best they had, the best they had, and bringing it before God and saying, here, God, I don't need this anymore. I want this to serve you. I want this to be yours. 
And, and the way that system would work, like if it was a lamb, if you were to bring a lamb, you would bring your best lamb. You don't want to bring like the angry old goat that's like always in the corner and looks funny and smells funny and is always headbutting people and you want to kill anyway. Like you don't bring that one, okay? You bring forward your very best lamb. You, you, maybe you'd, you'd wash it beforehand. Maybe give it some shears if it's got like a rough edge. Maybe polish its little horns. Do lambs even have, lambs don't have horns. Maybe they do, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know. But you would, you would take great care of the sacrifice that you would be taking to God. If you were to bring your grain or your fruits, you would bring the first ones, the best ones. You'd be bringing the ones that would like, you know, if nothing else happens, you could eat these ones. You say, nope, I'm going to give those to God. That was the sacrificial system. And so when Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, he's hearkening back to a very old idea with a lot of ideas in it. And I think that the idea is that we are to present our bodies for God's service. Um, Let's see, what's the way I said it in the notes? God wants us to use our bodies for his service. He doesn't want us to die for him. He wants us to live for him. Jesus died for us. That's kind of the way that works. And so he says, in view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices with all that the holiness and the perfection. And he even makes sure to, to, to talk about it. He says, holy and pleasing to God, holy and acceptable to God, as best as you can get it before God. And then he says something that is so mind-blowing to me. He says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Because see, a lot of times as a Christian, I grew up thinking that my soul is in my body and that it's going to go to heaven and that this body is going to be left behind. How many times at a funeral have we said, you know, when, when there's a casket laying here, we'll say, you know, she's here. Well, she's not really here. We know that she's actually with Jesus. We, we divorce the body from our identity so much that we say, it's not even here, it never was. But scripture tells us that our bodies will be resurrected. That's part of how we were made. That there will be a reunion between our soul and our body in the last days. Our physicality, I think, matters to God. And he, he draws this connection in Romans chapter 12. He says, present your bodies, which is very physical, As a living sacrifice, this is your spiritual act of worship. There's a connection. If we we want to serve God spiritually, we have to serve God with our bodies. Like, I know this sounds dumb, and maybe I'm just dumb, but this is blowing my mind this week, guys. Because it's not just about what's going on in my head. It's not just about what's going on in my heart. It's what I do with my hands. It's, where, it's about where my feet go and what my eyes see and what I, what I eat. Suddenly, my, my life is a lot bigger and more significant. And he says that we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And he says this is your spiritual act of worship, which is kind of going back and forth because this word worship is actually misunderstood often. So how many of you have seen the movie Return of the Jedi? 
some would say, the best in the original trilogy. I would argue that Empire Strikes Back still edges it out. Return of the Jedi is still my second favorite. But there are these little things called Ewoks, which are basically teddy bears that walk around and you can pick up. Like, it's really cool. Some, of, some people hated Ewoks. I love Ewoks. Anyway, so there's this part where our heroes get captured, and one of our heroes is a droid, which is just a robot in shiny metal. And his name is C-3PO. And he gets captured, and they, they, they tie everyone else up, and they put them on spits because they're going to eat them. But with C-3PO, they put them on a chair, and they all bow down in front of him. And they, it sounds like they're saying, Yoda, Yoda, which is weird for me when I was 12 because I was like, did they know about Yoda? Anyway, but they, they venerate him. They all bow down before him, and C-3PO's like, it seems that they think I'm some sort of deity. And they are worshiping him. And in fact, this language is used uh, in uh, the New Testament. There's a point when, uh, uh, um, I believe it was the woman at the well, she turns to Jesus and worships him. And and the word for worship typically kind of follows what we think worship should be. It's like adoration. It's it's, uh, literally, it's turn to kiss. It's to show that it's great, to glory in it. It's kind of like what the Ewoks were doing with C-3PO. They're like, Like, we, we bow down before it. This word in Romans I think, has dirt under its fingernails. And it smells like sweat. And it probably gets tired at the end of the day. Because the word here, I think, is so much closer to, and in other usages, it's it's used exclusively for this, service. Helping. Working. Working it out. Doing things. And it's not just a a a concept like, you know, I'm going to serve somebody by talking to them. It's like I'm going to serve somebody by cleaning out their gutters. It's a very physical word. And so he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of service. He goes back and forth, back and forth. And the idea is that we are a whole person. Mind, soul, and body, all together, and that we are supposed to live for God. Now the question is, how do we serve a God when we don't take care of that thing? when we fail to present our bodies as a holy and acceptable living sacrifice. Let's imagine a world, uh, there was a trend in my life between 20 and 30 where I gained 10 pounds every five years. That's just the way it worked. Let's imagine that that trend continued. By the time I was 51, I would be pushing 300 pounds. By the time I was 61, I'd be close to 350, 340. No, wait, 61, yeah, it'd be 330. Like, I would be a very large atom. A larger atom than the one you see before you today. Now let's imagine that at 51, I'm pushing 300 pounds and I'm still in youth ministry. Can you imagine a wheezing, creaking atom trying to chase down kids during scatterball? I mean, I'm sure that the high schoolers or the middle schoolers would love it because they'd be like, oh, it's like a land whale. We'll just take him out. But... <clears throat> If I am not taking care of my body, I would be unable to meet the call of God at that point. You know, uh, last year, the last couple years actually, uh, it just seemed like it was a normal thing for David and I to go and move somebody. Not move people, but move their stuff out of their house. And so we'd grab them and we'd take all their stuff. And I tell you what, climbing these stairs a couple months ago winded me. And by the time we were done moving, I was just like, Ooh, okay, this is really, really bad. I can't breathe and I'm only 30. 
I want to tell you that I had a revelation that my irresponsibility with my body wasn't just me paying for it. It was the people that God was asking me to serve. Because I was tired all the time, because I was uh, weak, because I wasn't really healthy. The people that paid for a lot of my physical inability was, were other people, not just myself. And so I, there are a couple principles that uh, there's a pastor down at a church called Crossroads. His name is John Smith. There are a couple principles that he laid out on ways that we can present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Ways that we can steward and look after the thing that God gave us to walk around in, you know, take care of our spiritual car, you know. And he, he listed some things. And so I, I just want you to jot these down. Um, this is not, um, I'm not trying to give good advice. I'm just trying to tell you these are things that have helped me, actually. And these are things that could help you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So the first one is stop harming your body. If you're harming your body through substances or overeating or uh, promiscuity, or self-harm, like if, if you are harming your body in any way, the best way to step forward in physical health is to stop doing that thing. And maybe for you, that might be like not helping as much as you normally do because you need to let your joints heal. <laughs> or maybe you need to let a stressed muscle heal. Like stop hurting yourself. Because yes, you can grit your teeth and you can bear it now, but eventually it's going to debilitate you and make you unable to serve in the future. Serve God's people. So the second thing, um, sorry, I'm just going to kind of blitz through these. Um, the second thing is that we should be careful to eat what's right. I mean, kind of in the same way that if you were to drive a car, if you're going to drive a race car, you're going to put the highest octane, best fuel you can put in that thing because you want the best performance out of it. You're not going to put sludge in and expect it to win any races. Our bodies are our car, the thing that we drive our spirit around in. Like, that's how we get around. And if we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, I think that we need to be careful what fuel we put in. And this is not legalistic, and I, everything I said earlier is still true. Everything that I said is delicious is still delicious and good. But there are ways to manage the way you eat that, it, that aren't like a drastic rice cake, only, rice cake and dirt only diet. Like I really don't want you to do that. Um, the, the thing that we picked out was to eat uh, a large amount of vegetables, which it turns out I actually kind of like. Uh, a large amount of vegetables, a, lar- a large amount of lean proteins, uh, some healthy fats, some sugars, like just m- basically moderation and rebalancing what we eat. I want you to try it. There's a a story in Daniel chapter 1 of of these people that come from Israel, and they say, we're going to eat differently than you guys are, and we're going to see how we feel. And they ate mainly vegetables. I'm not saying that that's legally what God says you should do. But they did see a difference in how they behaved and how they acted. It says they had more strength and more vigor. So I want to tell you that what we eat does affect how we live. And we can just take small steps Maybe next time we think just one more donut, we'll say, that's enough donuts. That's what I'm trying, and it's kind of working. Um, the next thing that we should do is I do think that we should exercise our bodies. And to go back to the bear analogy, which I really love because I th- think bears are hilarious. Um, 
if I was being chased by a bear, I would be wishing that I had run previously, right? Now, if, if all of a sudden God calls me to Papua New Guinea to go serve the people there, and I'm hiking up and down mountains every day, and my legs are still the trash that they were a couple months ago, then I'm going to have to say, sorry, God, I can't do it. I can't run from that bear because I wasn't practicing ahead of time. You know, at another point, Paul says, I beat my body into submission that I may put it in order. And I want to tell you that exercise is something that we're kind of made to do. I just recently dug out some window wells with David Stoger, and I tell you what, there's just a sense of fulfillment that comes from that. When you put your hands in dirt, and when you just, like, your back is aching, and at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, I did a thing. Like, physical labor and physical exercise is good. Science kind of proves it, too. There's endorphins and all that stuff. But we should exercise. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> can you tell I'm not a scientist? I'm like, endorphins. There you go. Good. Happy. Serotonin. I don't know. Rest. Rest is good. Um, We are made to rest. God built it into us. And in fact, he thought it was so important that we rest that he put it in his Ten Commandments. The distillation of his entire law, he puts it as rule number four. He says, stop working for one day. Rest. And I think that's for us too. I think that we are made to have seasons of work and seasons of rest. And so I want to encourage you that if you, want to, if you want to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, you're going to have to rest it sometimes. You're going to have to let your muscles rebuild themselves. You're going to have to let things heal that maybe are stressed. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about is stress. Because this is something that I personally deal with, and actually uh, my best friend in the whole wide world, he just recently started walking into this cl- uh, cloud of anxiety. Anxiety is something that I've dealt with for a long time, and it's just, at this point, it's just kind of like an annoying little brother that I carry around with me. It's like I just have learned how to manage it. But I want to tell you that if you are living a life where you're constantly under stress, Jesus tells us, do not worry about what tomorrow will bring. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. Instead, focus on today. I'm in charge of everything. It's going to be all right. So if you're worrying and you're just chewing yourself up inside, worrying, I want to tell you that worry is basically meditating on the wrong thing. Instead, next time you find yourself worrying, remind yourself, God's in charge, not me. So there are a couple things we can do. We can exercise, we can eat right, we can avoid some stress, maybe cut some stressful things out of our life, maybe stop putting our bodies under so much stress. We can rest, and we can stop doing harm to ourselves. Those are just a list of things that are helpful. You guys are going to be able to find things that you love and that things that are, are more doable for you. But I want to encourage you that Scripture tells us that our bodies are important to God and that we are to use our bodies as service to God and to the people around us. And I want to tell you that I, I really think that we are poised to do it because North Hills knows how to work hard. And North Hills knows how to do the right thing for the right thing's sake. Like, I, I have seen that in our culture so many times. And um, sometimes we are tempted to not look after our bodies because we feel like that's selfish. But I want to tell you that if you take care of yourself, you're taking care of your community. So I, I really think that over the next couple years, we could grow into a community that is looking after each other's health, that's looking after each other in taking care of our own health, that's serving one another, that's being transformed little by little, day by day, by the Spirit of God.
So I tell you, there is hope and there's good things in front of us. And I think that those good things are long days, long and good days. So let's pray. God, thank you for your love. Lord, thank you that um, our physical bodies matter to you, Lord Jesus, and that, that you want us to take care of those. God, I pray that you would help us to take care of those. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now that maybe you would convict us about ways that we have misused the gift you've given us in our body. Lord, thank you that you have given us that. And Lord, I do want to say a word of prayer for the the folks that have ongoing health issues, Lord, that just feel like this is just such a frustrating thing because despite best behavior, there are still things going on. Lord, I don't understand all that, but you do. And God, I'm grateful that you're in charge and that you're the great healer. And so, Lord, where there is malady and deformity, Lord, I pray that you would bring your grace. And Lord, where there's illness, that your presence would be there. Lord, thank you for your people and thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you are indeed a mighty fortress. God, that when everything else is just so overwhelming, we can run into your refuge. Lord, we can find sanctuary in you. And so, God, I just pray that as we undergo this transformed journey, and, you know, each week we look at different parts of our life that we're like, oh, man, i got to work on that. Lord, help us to find our strength in you. Lord, help us to find our strength only in you. So, God, I pray that you'd bless us and send us out in your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The ushers are going to come forward and... uh